Coming up on Tech News Today, is a third Sony hack coming? Well, they're going to give you free identity theft protection, so don't worry about it. Also, bandwidth caps under fire, and Apple, could they ditch Intel for ARM? We'll talk about that more coming up next. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Friday, May 6, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about a business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Ayaz Akhtar. I'm Jason Howell. And this is the show where we kick around the tech news of the day along with you. Try to make some sense of it. Sony under attack again. What now? Third they time's did a nothing. charm. Boy. Oh. Well, first of all... They're uh, just trying to get attention. Yeah. They are. Day four. Look at me. Look at coverage. me. I'm being hacked. <laughs> uh, Howard Stringer has posted a letter explaining the delay, uh, saying that we just had to make sure we got everything right. Forensic analysis takes a while. Uh, now, I want to compare this to LastPass's uh, response, which mm-hmm. was, we're not sure exactly what happened, but you know what? We're just going to be safe rather than sorry. Sony said, took a long time to say, let's be safe rather than sorry. But anyway, he, he blamed it on forensic analysis. Uh, PlayStation Network members have been given a year of identity theft protection from Debex Incorporated. They'll, uh, this, they'll search around to see if anybody is doing something weird with your identity and alert you. And uh, give you a chance to put fraud alerts and shut down bank accounts and all that kind of stuff. After a year, if a hacker is really, really patient, then uh, you're still in trouble. Yeah, hold on to to that database for a year. I looked up this Debix company, and they've worked with the state of Ohio after it had a huge data breach in a bunch of other states. And uh, on their About page, it has to date, Debix has protected over 800,000 consumers. So if they're going to give everyone in PlayStation Network, that's like, what, 77 million? Yeah, they're going to be staffing up at Debix. Uh, the way it'll work, Sony will email you a code, and you'll have until June 18th to sign up and take advantage. So probably not all 75 million people will take advantage of it, but still, it's a lot of a lot of folks for them to protect all of a sudden. Uh, Patrick Siebold posted on their blog today, our global network and security teams at Sony Network Entertainment and Sony Computer Entertainment began the final stages of internal testing of the new system, an important step towards restoring the PlayStation Network and Curiosity Services. Now, they did say they hope to have the service back up by the end of this week, we're well, they at the end that, of this worry. They week. said that last week. Yeah. Last Friday, we were like, well, hopefully over the weekend, we'll, we'll see uh, uh, service restored. The key word there being Final we hope. stages. <laughs> Sounds very vague to me. Yeah. Observers of an IRC channel told CNET a third attack is planned this weekend. So that, so if maybe. that were true, that would upset Sony's plans to go back online. Uh, these folks in the IRC channel say they're in control of some of Sony's servers right now. And they plan to reveal some or all of the data they possess. What else? If Sony doesn't bring the PlayStation Network back this weekend, what else could they possibly take down? The Sony websites? I mean, Sony Online Entertainment is down. Curiosity's down. PlayStation Network's down. What's left standing? There's certainly not no no more not a lot more services that they could go after, I guess. But there there's all kinds of servers that Sony's have, running. They're just gonna have sit-ins at Sony style stores. 
<laughs> Maybe. That's what's going to happen. No, you don't think there's uh, there's other valuable Sony assets out there online still that That's they could possible. go after? I mean, they probably have partnerships. And their actual websites are still up, though. Sony, Sony Style Stores, Sony.com is up still. Sony Style Store has checkout. Well, Lots of bank account information there. They could go after that, I guess. Do you think Sony would wait till after this weekend to launch PlayStation Network? Or do you think they will just test themselves by putting it up? I think they plan to launch it back on over the weekend. Uh, but if, if this attack threat is, is true, we're not going to see it launch this week. And it could also just be people saying, it hey, we've got information and we're going to take down Sony and, and have people like us talk about it. 56% of Americans have internet data caps uh, and the FCC should investigate it. That's what the New America Foundation and Public Knowledge, two activist groups, have asked the Federal Communications Commission to do. Investigate these internet data caps, especially... AT&T. This uh, comes on the heels of AT&T launching their 150 gigabyte data cap this week. Uh, essentially, they're just saying, look, unlike competitors who caps appear to be at least nominally linked to congestion during peak use periods, referring to the 250 gigabyte cap from Comcast, AT&T seeks to convert caps into a profit center by charging additional fees to customers who exceed the cap. In addition to concerns raised by broadband caps generally, such a practice produces a perverse incentive for AT&T to avoid raising its caps, even as its own capacity expands. They also have an odd argument in their, in their letter. It says, together, these caps suggest either that AT&T's current network compares poorly to that of a major competitor circa 2008, or that there are non-network management motivations behind their creation. But if you look at AT&T's network, well, that's the end of the quote. If you look at AT&T's network... Uh, they're running DSL, so their stuff is kind of way old. I mean, aren't they? It's old, that? but remember the DSL. The difference between DSL and and Doxis is that uh, with cable Doxis, you actually share the bandwidth amongst people on a node. Mm -hmm. With DSL, it's supposed to mitigate against that. So one heavy user shouldn't really affect the other users on the network. Right, but even the max DSL speeds compared to like the low end Comcast speeds you could get, or in coax, it's it's not even equivalent. So I mean, their technology isn't. Well, it's not about speed, it's about congestion. I think that's the point they're making. Well, I'm just saying that if they're comparing networks, I don't know. I mean, AT&T's U-verse is not exactly known as a blazingly fast network. Now, people in Canada, where they have 2 gigabyte and 15 gigabyte caps, are just laughing at us. Yeah. Uh, but like gigabytes. But uh, you know what? I think we're going to see more and more of this call to investigate and, and pay attention to caps uh, as, as more companies put them in place because there's a lot of good arguments out there that bandwidth is cheap and and rolling out more capacity is cheaper than these folks want to admit and so this idea that oh we can't pay for rolling out faster networks if we don't put caps in place and charge people more uh is going to be investigated i'm all for that i'm, mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily for the fcc slapping more regulations because i think that might just makes things more complicated and worse but i am all for investigating and shining some light on the practice and saying look you want to put in caps fine but don't say it's because of one thing when it's not don't say you're putting in caps because of congestion when it's not congestion. Don't say you can't add capacity because it's expensive when it's not as expensive as you're saying. Yeah, don't be evil. Don't, and please don't be evil. We appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Apple reportedly going to ditch ARM, or I'm sorry, ditch Intel for ARM in MacBooks and MacBook Pros. This according to a blog called Semi-Accurate News. Let's just take a beat. Semi-Accurate News. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kind of like sub-brilliant news. Sure. Except sub-brilliant news is all parody. And, and it's you. And semi-accurate. you didn't write this article. No, semi-accurate is supposed to not be parody. But they say sources tell that Apple will move to ARM within two or three years, potentially coinciding with NVIDIA's release of Project Denver CPUs. Uh, NVIDIA announced at CES this year that they're going to develop CPUs on the ARM platform. 
Software incompatibility would be an issue. Uh, IDC said ARM is going to own 13% of the PC processor market by 2015. That's not much. I can't see Apple moving ARM into the MacBook Pro. It just I, I think they want a more powerful processor in the MacBook Pro unless they're going to get rid of the MacBook Pro line and just go focus on the MacBook Air and uh, be all cloudy about everything. I, I mean, what... What about people like me who do uh, a lot of processing, video editing? Yeah. I can't do that on air. Well, I don't know. Maybe in a few years it would be possible, but it's not possible now. Apple's kind of done whatever it wants on the processor front. They used to be with PowerPC, and IBM used to provide that. Then they moved to Intel, so they had to rewrite their entire operating system. Mm -hmm. So now they're running, what, two operating systems, iOS, which is running on ARM anyway. So, I mean, the idea that they would kick out Intel after joining them and rewriting their entire operating system for it seems a little iffy. I mean, this makes a lot more sense for the PC market where you can't control what goes in the hardware. So you could have like an ARM-based uh, tablet or a laptop, and, and Microsoft has nothing to say about that. They can just say, hey, look, we got Windows for that. But Apple doesn't bother with that kind of thing. They make their own hardware, they make the software, and they make it work together. So they don't have to, like, placate ARM users, you know? I could see the MacBook Air running a Project Denver CPU, but then you would have two different platforms going on, and that that's an issue. I can't see Apple saying we're going to be Intel on MacBook Pros and 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 ARM on MacBook Airs. It, it just I don't see why they would bother to support all of these things at the same time, and I can't see them switching to ARM, especially after that whole discussion we had about Intel and their new processors. I mean, they're really moving ahead with that. I think they were calling it what 3D. Uh, based gating and, and everything. So th it, they really are moving ahead. So the idea to ditch Intel now for a lower powered and, and, and not as exciting ARM architecture seems very strange. Yeah, the article is written at very like, sources tell us this is a done deal. You're not going to see uh, the results for a few years, but it's a done deal. That just sounds, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they weren't told that, but it sounds like... Um, My guess is that somebody at Apple is considering this sure and maybe there's actually talks between apple and nvidia about the possibility of it but it's no farther than that right. because companies are always considering things sure to see if there's an advantage that's how you figure out how to make change is you investigate and say would there be an advantage my guess is they're going to find out i mean arguably they could put ios on some kind of laptop style machine but i mean even they even apple has said nobody wants to use uh, a laptop that way and that what do they call it, a gorilla arm you have to keep touching yeah. the screen. So, I mean, unless they're going to do an iOS-based system, I don't see why ARM would be in their laptops. Or maybe it would be called the Gorilla ARM processor. Maybe. And it would just be all part of a marketing plan. <laughs> Let's take a break from that and thank Netflix for helping to bring us tech news today. Netflix delivers movies directly to your home, saves you time, saves you money, saves you hassle. You can instantly watch thousands of TV episodes and movies stream directly to your PC, your Mac, and your television. You got an Xbox 360, a PS3, or a Wii? You can stream Netflix right onto your television. A lot of televisions have a Netflix app built into them anyway. So you might want to check that out. Plus, you can get DVDs by mail and about a business day. Watch as many movies as you want, anytime you want. Never any late fees, no due dates. Uh, they have great movies available for the instant streaming, too. Right now, you can watch Kick-Ass. I've never seen that. See, you could you could watch it you could watch it right now if That's you just great. left the show and went to your iPad Should and watched I, Netflix. Do you want me to go? No, it wasn't I a go. hint. I'm just saying it was possible. Okay. Yeah. Just sounded like you wanted no, to No, wasn't leave. I wasn't saying you, I want you to go. I'm just <laughs> But I could if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah I it was, don't. It was more of I a possibility. Yeah. Please don't go. We we, Platonically. we need you here. Of course. Just keep going, Tom. HR Puffin stuff? <laughs> also available? Yes. On Netflix stream. All right. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. You never watched H.R. Puffin stuff? Oh, no. you're too young. 
We, oh, this is an old. It's old like for late seventies morning kids TV. H.R. Poppins. So I was still Sesame Street in the late seventies for me. I was all Sesame Street and Electric Company. Not Saturday mornings. You didn't do anything on Saturday morning. No. All, all I was able to watch was PBS until like third grade. I didn't really know that there was. Well, other now TV. you can relive my childhood. All on right. Be a child again. I will instantly <laughs> watch. We're done here. H.R. Puffin stuff and Kick Ass back to back. And uh, do it for free for 30 days, folks. Just sign up for the free trial at netflix.com slash twit. That lets them know that you heard about it from us, that you support twit, and it gives you 30 days of free streaming movies. So you can't beat that. Thank you for their support of Tech News Today. IDC says smartphones grew 79.7% in the first quarter of the year. That's not a big surprise. Uh, what is notable, though, in the smartphone universe, Apple is now the number two manufacturer. They passed... RIM to take 18.7% of the market, up from 15.7% a year ago. RIM uh, is number two at 14%, down from 19% a year ago. And Samsung number four. In a top five mobile phone vendors, uh, Nokia still leading the way overall. Samsung number two, LG number three. Apple, even though they only make smartphones, is the number four overall smartphone vendor. Bad news for Nokia, though, in Western Europe. Yeah, they're losing their home court entirely. Uh, the weird thing is, every time we look at Apple stats or RIM stats, I mean, I, I always find those much more interesting because they only have their own operating system. So when Samsung has growth, is looking at this quarterly growth of 350%, it's because they, they have so many different op operating systems. They run Android, they run something called Bada still, I think, and uh, they run Windows Phone 7. So they can get all kinds of market share because they're Samsung and they run everything. But when Apple moves up, that means iOS is gaining more ground, which is even more surprising considering it's well, one small uh, operating system in the whole sea of operating systems out there. Yeah, a, a Samsung grew 350%, HTC 229%, and Apple 114%. So Apple looked paltry in their smartphone growth because they only have one platform to grow on. And it's got 31% growth. And in Western Europe, Apple is now the number one smartphone maker and Samsung the number one overall phone maker. Nokia sank to number two in both categories. Not good news for Nokia, especially because they've got a year or two transition underway. Well, maybe the people over there are kind of depressed that they lost all their jobs. They're like, I'm not buying a Nokia phone. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. it's possible. Out of spite, yeah. they all got iPhones. I wouldn't even buy Nokia <laughs> fishing supplies. It'll be interesting to see what Nokia's numbers are like in a couple of years. Um, but I don't know. I, I just have a bad feeling about this. You've got a Luke Skywalker Star Wars feeling about Nokia. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, you know, Windows Phone is it's a great operating system, but I just don't. I don't know. I don't think so. State of California is considering a bill that would force California companies to provide a method for consumers to opt out of data collection. Sounds like a good idea. Opt out of data collection isn't so hard on businesses. I prefer things be opt-in, personally, but this seems rather business-friendly. Not so, says Google, Facebook, Time Warner, CTIA, and the California Chamber of Commerce and about 30 other associations and companies who sent a letter protesting Senate Bill 761, claiming that existing laws already protect consumers, pointing out browsers already have do-not-track capability and are cooperating with the FTC on self-regulation, warning legislation... This warning that this legislation would hurt the California economy and calling the legislation unconstitutional because of interstate commerce concerns. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of what they teach you in law school. They say, uh, usually it's a case about a man arguing about a dog bite. It's, I don't have a dog. If I had a dog, he doesn't bite. My dog didn't bite, and my dog doesn't bite you. 
or didn't bite you. So you say every single argument you can. And actually looking at this, I was looking at the preemption issue, the, the idea that it would be unconstitutional. I mean, the Internet it's, itself, I mean, it's very interstate commerce. And to have rules that are, that are just uh, angled towards California, there could be problems there. Uh, so that's actually a pretty good argument they, they have, all 30 of these companies. Uh, I don't know about the actual law. It seems a little bit iffy. I, I think it's probably a bad idea to write a law like this because you have to have so many prevarications about what might happen. Uh, according to the summary, the bill would specify that such information uh, that would be opt-out of collection includes but is not limited to the online activity of an individual and other personal information. The bill would subject these regulations to certain requirements, including but not limited to a requirement that a coveted entity disclose to a consumer certain information relating to... It just goes on and on yeah. like that. Uh, there are exceptions that can be made on behalf of online companies if they are a providing operating or improving a product or service used requested or authorized by an individual so you don't have to get them to opt they, they, they don't get to opt out in that case if you're saying i want this improvement b analyzing data related to the use of the product or service for purposes of improving the product services or operations wow that loophole seems to be semi-wide mm -hmm. you could drive a truck through that yeah, actually, I'm saying I'm going to analyze. The only reason I'm collecting this data, even though they opted out, is I'm, I want to improve my product or service. That's all I got to say. Well, that, so this you, bill is pretty much useless. And the bill, you can get around it too if you're not providing service in that area. So that could just mean like there's a little test. Are you from California? They check your IP. And like, Guess what? We don't have service where you are now. Sorry. Like, yeah. that we're complying with the law, but you don't get service. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it's a... Uh, it's a test case for this kind of thing. I prefer what the FTC is saying, which is self-regulate, make browsers that have do not track, and get the industries to honor those do not track systems so that I and my browser can turn it on and off, and we don't have a lot of, we don't have to have a lot of these special cases of, well, if you're doing this, it's okay, and if you're not, it's not. Just leave it in, in everybody's hands to turn it on or off as they will. CTIA is uh, launching a voluntary self-certification of apps. They actually uh, launched this near the end of March, but now an advocacy group called ACT said its 3,000-member association of software developers believes the initiative could stifle innovation and interest in app development. Morgan Reed is, the, is ACT's executive editor. He says if it's a CTIA self-derived push, that seems like an intermediary regulator. A preferred model would be the ESRB that rates video games, which is funded and managed by game developers. ESRB's rating system is actual self-regulation. And ESRB is already putting in place a self-rating system for downloadable games. The problem here is that apps right now don't have a, a systematic way of being rated. So what's rated one way on an Android marketplace might not be rated the same way on the iOS app store, might not be rated the same place as a BlackBerry app world. Do you think there's a lot of pressure from parents groups and things like that who want a rating system on these? I mean, they most of these things when you go to the app they're trying to get in front of that. When yeah. you see an app store it says 18 plus or they say it has objectionable objectionable material. I don't know what Android has. Does it have the same kind of warnings when you try to install applications like a web browser? Sorry, not that I've noticed, actually. Uh, it's not that it isn't there, but, you know, there's a lot of details there when you're installing an app. And actually, any description, people can choose whatever they want to put in the description. So well, that's right. I suppose if it's out of the ordinary, they might include it in there, but there is no official 
if they, notice. If they have some kind of self-regulation thing, then you won't have parish groups freaking out and saying, oh, we need to have this up here, and this is the way it's going to be, and you could avoid stringent. Google, Google has a, a four-tier rating system. Uh, everyone up to high maturity, and developers assign their application a rating based on its content, then publish it to the Android marketplace. If users flag a published application for somehow misrating itself, then Google can go and re-rate it. Somebody in the chat room is suggesting a Rotten Tomato-style rating. It could be just a bunch huh. of Metacritic saying, yeah, you know what, this is actually, this is the way it is. It's really much more short Warner than Warner Brothers think. owns Rotten Tomatoes now, so, so we can't that's trust not that. going to work. We can't trust that. So <laughs> Rotten Tomato style. Yeah. Now, I liked what ESRB was doing for downloadable content, where it had this very, uh, very well-thought-out questionnaire that a developer just answered questions and then gave the rating based on that. I think you could do something like that for apps, and maybe ESRB is the right organization to get this started. Well, the thing is, that this, the CTIA would be taking care of this rating system. And, and the, the, the phone companies or the, the app makers, who, who exactly is angry about this? Who wants it to... It's the developers. The developers don't want CTIA to run it because they feel like that's not the developers running it then. That's the, yeah. the manufacturers and the carriers running it. And they have an it. agenda. Yeah. So with, multiple agendas. So with a lot mobile, of political complications there. Would mobile apps, I mean mobile games, would they have two ratings? One for, with ESRB, one with... Well, no, it's downloadable games for like the consoles right now with ESRB. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that... Uh, they said they want to have mobile games in there eventually, but they're not there yet. So this would be the perfect time to say, well, let's... Let's take what the ESRB is doing, apply it to mobile games, and apply it to other apps as well. I don't know that you need a rating on an Office app, but maybe you do. You could write some horrible <laughs> things in there. You could. That yeah. spell check that's the thing. has it's dirty like words in it. Some note-taking app that's very helpful. What's the rating? Yeah. I guess just all ages or something. Yeah, be it has to do with, with not just games, but books mm -hmm. and entertainment apps, art apps, uh, video access... That sort of stuff. It can just be very subjective, though. I mean... Well, that, that's uh, true of the ESRB, too. Yeah. yeah. Demand Media had their earnings call and uh, is trying to portray themselves more as a responsible, content-loving organization. Demand says they're planning to hire more experienced writers to produce articles, as many as 850 words per article, for $350 an article. Wow! That's bank! It is. The company made the announcement on their conference call with Wall Street analysts. Uh... Referring to Google's algorithm change we've talked about called Panda, they said that demand sites plummeted 20 to 40% after Panda, but CEO Richard Rosenblatt said, it seems like they put the best content up to the top and penalized the lowest quality content. Everything seems to be running there through their system like it should. So that means Google can control the content or the quality of content on other sites just by going, yeah, you know what, that's not so good. So that means all the lousy stuff on eHow, like how to run a meeting. You know, actually inviting people. That was the example in the Wired article because I'd forgotten that existed out there. That stuff will fall to the wayside, and demand is going to try to actually have better content. I mean, that's, like, that's a win-win. Do you think uh, they're afraid of Google? Isn't everybody afraid of Google? Not me. I'm not afraid of you, Google. Well, they're, Come they're, and get me, Google. They're, they're forced to re-examine their strategy, um, and it's still, it's still a good win for us. I mean, crappy eHow... Uh, um, results up at the top of my Google search results, I won't miss them. In all fairness, I did like eHow for how to tie a tie. You know, different ties, mm. different kinds mm -hmm. of ties. You know, Windsor, Double Windsor, not bad. Double Windsor, really? Oh yeah. The thing about eHow is you never know. Sometimes their their articles are good. But they also had ratings on and their then own articles. Every once in a while, you look at it and you're like, that's just stupid. They allowed their own articles to get rated, so I'd see like it's one and a half star, and they would just just immediately disregard. Did those ratings end up bearing out? Are they a good guide? I usually ignore those ratings because I figure they're just crap. When they're one and a half, you know it's crap. All right. Hmm. Interesting. How to tie a tie, Google results, no e-how. Not anymore. I guess nope. that was crap. Nope.
but oh, there see, are you were a lot tying it all wrong. <laughs> the tie actually is supposed to hang down in front, which is why I don't wear the tie. Yeah. You're wearing it right now. You just it's tied just it the e-how way. All right, let's uh, move on to our news views. I'm bringing Linux back oh, to the boy. PS3. Yeah. GetBrew.com has come up with a way for PS3 users to install Linux on all PS3s, both fat and slim models. PHAT models as well. <laughs> this time, Linux won't be a virtual machine. Linux will be able to access natively all the PS3 hardware. Apparently, the method isn't super easy, and it's not officially sanctioned by Sony, of course, but you can do it if you want. San Francisco is pondering a law that would require cell phone retailers to slap a label on cell phones, warning customers about radiation levels. We've talked about it on the show before. The CTIA decided to sue the city over it. And guess what? Now the law is not happening. And it's expected to get redrafted if it even ever sees the light of day again. Turns out there's a, another reason or a reason to join one of those hotel loyalty clubs. Uh, you can get free Wi-Fi. Hilton, Hyatt, and Starwood Hotel loyalty members will get free Wi-Fi if they're part of the gold or platinum club. But anybody who joins the Marriott Club gets Wi-Fi for free, no exclusions. So I guess that's a reason why you'd go to the Marriott. Is that why? Yes. No exclusions. I like it. If you didn't know, Oracle is suing Google, citing over 100 patent claims, and the judge presiding over the case thought that was a bit ridiculous and has told Oracle that it needs to reduce the number of patent claims and defenses to three. Why three? The judge says that is a triable number, something a jury could actually handle in a reasonable amount of time. Swift justice. All right. It's kind of a bad time to be T-Mobile because not only is AT&T trying to swallow them whole, but the company also lost almost 100,000 customers in the first quarter of this year. I guess on the sort of bright side, revenue is stagnant compared to last year around the same time. So Mosquitoes grow in that kind of revenue. Yeah. It's stagnant. Yeah. It's, it's just that sitting water of mm -hmm. money. Yep. HTC is offering a stylus for its Android tablet called the Flyer. The Flyer costs a somewhat reasonable $500. The stylus is extra, 80 bucks extra. Perhaps HTC took Steve Jobs' comment about uh, if you see a stylus, they blew it a little too seriously, so they priced this thing pretty much out of existence. Are you worried about JavaScript enough to run NoScript or maybe not script on Chrome? Uh, get ready to add it to your smartphone, mates. No script anywhere. Get it, NSA. Uh, is the nickname for the next major iteration of the NoScript security add-on, which will work in Firefox 4 Mobile and be available on Android and MIMO smartphones. Some time ago, Sprint with Google Voice integration went official, but there's one small, minor little problem that it's not working for everybody. Sprint's telling users to visit the Google Voice forum for support. That forum is full of angry people who can't get Google to help. So maybe this is Google's way of getting its user to be more social because they can bond over Google not giving them customer support. You too? Yeah, me. We hate Google. That's the social strategy. Google. Yeah, no. and everyone's connected now. They're interacting. It's bonding. Yeah. It's beautiful, really. It's working. Yeah. Good job. Go, go Google. Finally, 4D cinema seats. What the? What Wait, the crap no, no, is no, no, a 4D no. cinema seat? 4D is in 3D plus another. I think track. all movies are in 4D because they're in time. Uh, but what, is the, the, what does this mean? They, it's like some kind of jiggling you while you watch the movie? Yeah, this is, a, this is from D-Box, not to be confused by other, any other term. Uh, I'm reading from the article here. The effects Stupid D -box. carefully synchronized to the action range from intelligent vibrations to a popcorn throwing jolt backwards if a character is punched on screen. So as things are happening in the movie, you can get kind of flung around by your chair. And if you find this to be too sickening, you, there's a little control next to you, so you can actually dial it down a little. I like that. Actually, I like this a lot. I just hate them calling it 4D. That sounds really distracting. 
Well, I mean, but it, let's say that you're like, I don't want this. So you turn oh yeah. yours off, but then the guy next to you it's is just like around. all over the place. I can't watch a movie like that. Well, then you have to go in large groups, I guess. Make sure you have the whole row. Right. <laughs> or be like, that seat's saved. And Everyone that seat's... has to agree. We're all turning our seats off, This right? is the motion sickness aisle <laughs> right here. But I mean... You just get a little minor the, vibration. Theater's trying to get people in the door makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's really little reason to go to a theater other than 3D and now your chair being flung around, right? Mm. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I just I, I think it's stupid to call it 4D, but, you know, I'm liking the idea here anyway. Let's move on to the calendar. There's a meteor shower tonight, and it's going to rain bits of Halley's Comet onto Earth. Well, not onto Earth, but over the Earth. Uh, it's uh, the annual e Eta Aquarid. I'm sure I'm butchering that. I'm sorry, space nerds. The meteor shower will peak early tomorrow morning, and it's expected to put on a dazzling display of shooting stars. If you like that sort of thing, and I know a lot of us do. Tomorrow, May 7th, is free comic book day, so... Find your nearest comic book store and go to town. Hopefully, they'll be giving you a free comic. Yeah, uh, we usually have several from uh, lots of different distributors, so it's, it's a good way to get free stuff. Are you going to uh, celebrate free comic book day? You know, I tomorrow? usually download free comics uh, from the comics app on iPad. Oh, yeah, that's day. a good call. Yeah. There's a comic book store near me. Maybe I'll check in. Nexus S4G launches on Sprint at Sunday, May 8th. Long lines for the Apple iPad 2 in China. They like it. It's a hit. They're all about the iPad 2 over there. You can I start, finally got it. Yep. You can start sharing uh, your Gears of War 3 beta invites beginning also Sunday, May 8th. The HTC Flyer begins shipping on May 9th, across Europe anyway. And next week, CEOs from big wireless companies are going to testify on Capitol Hill for and against the proposed 39 billion mega merger between AT&T and T-Mobile USA. What's that subcommittee called? Oh, it's fun. It's called the AT&T slash T-Mobile merger. Is yeah. Humpty being put back together again? That's actually the name of it. Is that a digital underground reference? It might be. I'm, I'm not sure. I guess they're just naming things whatever they feel like naming. So, Do they really name it that? That's crazy. That's really the name of, of a, a subcommittee. Yeah, I don't know. So, of course, we've got uh, CEOs of AT&T and T-Mobile saying, we're in favor of the merger. Sprint, Nextel, and yes. uh, regional carrier Cellular South CEOs will be there to testify against the merger. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Also next week are the highly anticipated mobile privacy hearings with Apple and Google. So everybody get your Star Trek jokes ready Star because Trek. Apple is sending none other than Bud Tribble. Uh, he's the VP guy. of software technology. He actually co-founded Next. And I'm sure oh. he's never heard anybody make a Star Trek joke to him. The twubble with twibble. All right, moving on to the email, tnt at twit.tv. First one from Andy, otherwise known as the Gorse Fox. says, hi, I'm an avid listener to TNT. I tend to download, uh, download a week's worth at a time, and I listen to them as I enjoy my weekly commute to and from the West Country. Ah, the West Country. Ah, the West Country. It's a wonderful place. It's becoming even clearer to me that the biggest inhibitor to growth and innovation in the USA is lawyers. Yes. Are you listening, Ayaz? Lawyers. Listening from across the Atlantic to news of one lawsuit or claim or patent infringement or another on a day-to-day -day basis makes me realize why my gadgets cost so much. It's nothing to do with research and development That's costs, right. manufacturing costs, or marketing. It's about clawing enough money from the poor suckers that buy the gadgets to pay the parasitic lawyers that seem to dictate and control everything that you do. Has anyone in the U.S. done any research to calculate how much they cost the consumer each year? Isn't it about time for a revolution? Burn the lawyers! Burn them! Yeah. With an exacto knife! With an exacto knife! Get them! Wait, wait a minute, Ayaz is a lawyer. Yeah. Oh. How about oh. I give a somewhat measured response to Andy, okay? No. Let me explain as a card-carrying member oh. of the ABA, the American Bar Association, 
I thought it was the American Basketball Association. That is that, that's <laughs> defunct. Okay. It's no longer in, in, in out there. It's with the NBA. But uh, let me explain something about lawyers. For the most part, they're kind of like guns, okay? They don't just kind of go off on their own unless they're class action or ambulance chasers. There's these things called clients, okay? They tell you what to do. So they don't just, the lawyers just don't get together and like, hey, let's sue these guys. You have companies like Sony saying, you know what? We don't really like George Hotz. We're going to sue him. The lawyers then go, you sure? You'd be positive about this? And then they have to go and do their jobs. So if you want to blame anybody, blame the clients, not the lawyers. Also watch This Week in Law. You'll see some very tech-forward attorneys on there, and they're not the problem. So you're saying all lawyers aren't bad? No. Just most That is not what I'm saying. Oh. What are, what are you saying? I'm saying that they aren't the problem. You're saying no lawyers are bad? No. They're, I'm, I'm not saying anything is... in any affirmative way. When did you stop beating your wife? <laughs> What, did you stop hating Linux? Uh, yes. So, oh, no, but it's, it's a good point, which is there are some lawyers, like you mentioned, the, the ambulance chasers out there. Yeah, there's some they, who give us give, a bad give name. Give lawyers a bad name. And they, they range from ambulance chasers up into the corporate world as well. But just as often, it's, it's the corporations who use the lawyers as tools to beat each other over the head. Pretty much. Like, it's like, a, I'm telling you, like a gun, pretty yeah. much. You, they, it's the client who decides where to point and who to shoot. Uh, so you're a loaded gun. Sometimes. Because he's a lawyer. Who, do, who should we shoot? I don't have any clients. I don't know. Yeah. We need to think about this. Yeah. All right. Okay. Meanwhile, I'll read the next email from The Moke. Got an email from The Moke. <laughs> he says, David Braben has developed a tiny USB stick PC that has HDMI port in one end and a USB port on the other. You plug it into an HDMI socket, then connect a keyboard via the USB port, giving you a fully functioning machine running a version of Linux. The cost... 25 bucks. Aw, uh, yeah. Even has an SD card slot. Hardware is being offered uh, is no slouch either. It uses a 700 megahertz ARM 11 processor coupled with 128 megabytes of RAM, runs OpenGL ES 2.0. Decent graphics performance with 1080p output confirmed. Storage is uh, catered by the SD card slot. It also looks as though the modules can be attached, such as a 12 megapixel camera seen in the image that he posts in the link at geek.com. So uh, I like this $25 HDMI streaming. Put your movies on an SD card, plug it into the TV, boom. That's awesome. Not as nice as network streaming, but could uh, be really cool in a hotel. A $25 solution, too. Yeah, and it's cheap. What do you think, lawyer? I think I've seen... Speak. <laughs> I've seen a smaller PC, the ones that actually fit in those, Objection. Little, those little keystone <laughs> things that you can attach into, the, into your wall. I've seen these tiny little Linux boxes. This is kind of those are tinier than this? Mm-hmm. Really? I thought those were like wall ward size. No, I think they're smaller. Okay. But I could check. But this uh, this, uh, but this has a cool. power source inside of it. You don't have to plug it into the wall. Well, that's pretty cool. Then. Yeah, that's what that's what I like. About but yeah, 25 bucks. I mean, that's another thing. Getting uh, PCs in the hands of people who can't get it. I think that's way more You can just drop these out of an airplane. I, yeah, I guess you could drop any PC out of an airplane. Though, well, no, right? these, you know, just <laughs> thousands of them. <laughs> I think some PCs ah, might hurt people. It's raining. <laughs> All right. Thanks to the moke. For sending that along. Thanks, thanks the moke. Really appreciate that. I don't know if you talk like that, but <laughs> got an email from the moke. Uh, but I hope you do. Oh, it's funny. All right, that's it for this edition of Tech News Today. That's it for this week of Tech News Today. Put a fork in us. We're done. TNT at twit.tv is the email address. Two six zero TNT show the voicemail. Call us and leave us a comprehensible and comprehensive message. Keep it under thirty seconds. We might play it on the show. And of course, you can find us on the web, twit.tv slash TNT. We'll see you Monday. Google I.O. next week. We'll have special coverage. Ow! Yay!